The Liberty Flames are playing in the FBS, the highest level of competition in NCAA football. I mean, we, ne- we never uh, got down one bit. We just stayed focused and we just pushed forward. And like you see on the scoreboard, the execution, we, we, we executed pretty well. Now, we're nowhere near where we need to be or where we want to be, but they were a joy to coach. Their, their attitudes were incredible. Their work ethic was a, was really good every day. I can think of very few moments where I thought, you know, we're not giving effort. And um, and I coached them hard, and and they responded to it, and um, just trying to get them conditioned to chase a certain standard. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Red Spin Podcast. This is your host, Chad Hassan. I am joined by the creator, founder, and all things a sea of red, John Manson. John, how you doing this evening? Good, Chad. What's up, man? Glad to be back on the pod. I have a major, major game this Saturday up in New Jersey. We got a huge interview with Coach Hugh Freeze, who seems to move the needle on Twitter and everything he touches, which has been an amazing thing for our school. He's all over the place with interviews on ESPN and interviews in the Paul Feinbaum show and all over the country with college football. So really excited Hugh joined us. He's been so great to see of Red so far um, in his tenure as head coach. And uh, so we're glad to finally get him on and uh, talk with him. We got a lot going on. I just wanted to let you guys know if you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects, reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y underscore moon, M-O-O-N on Twitter. Or you can visit his website, lunasound.design. John has done a great job this season helping us edit the podcast, and he's done a phenomenal job. And so you guys give him a give him a call, and he can uh, hook you up. Very communicative and uh, knows what he's doing. So shout out Jonathan there. So, John, the, the question about Hugh Freeze is, wh- what's his grade so far as head coach? Wh- where does he stand when we hired him back, I guess, I guess early spring, late winter? Uh, what has he done so far for the program, on-field, off-field? How do you summarize his tenure at Liberty so far through seven games? Yeah, I think the biggest impact he's made is off the field so far. I mean, we're starting to see it in on the field, but we're only halfway through the season. But off the field, we've seen a huge uptick in recruiting. Uh, we've also seen, I think, just a general, just around the uh, the program, just a general sense that you know, things are being done at a, at a much higher level than um, before. Um, you know, no offense to Coach Gill and the previous coaching staff, but everything seems much more major, much more big time. You've seen that from donor support, from season ticket sales, from just enthusiasm around the program. Uh, also, like I said, recruiting. And then we're also starting to see it in, in the season. I mean, I think you know, if we were to sit here today and say, you know, Coach Gill was was the head coach here in 2019, what would our record be? What would be five and two? And, you know, we can obviously have a debate about that. But I think the fact that we've been able to win these games that we should have won and beat Buffalo pretty convincingly in a game that we were an underdog in. And now we're sitting here, you know, with the Rutgers game looming this weekend a Big Ten opponent, I don't care what their record is, I don't care where they're ranked, but they're a Big Ten opponent that Liberty's going to face on the road 
and Liberty's favored by greater than a touchdown. Uh, I think that just speaks for itself for what Co- Coach Freeze has done in less than a year here here at Liberty. Yeah, so man, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I just like I said earlier, he he's kind of he's kind of brought a prestige with himself. I mean, he he brought it here to us. We already had the facilities, we had the money, we had the commitment. We even had a good quarterback and wide receiver combo. It's a lot of other good players, but Hugh brought that it factor, and uh, man, it's been an exciting ride so far. We're looking at a bowl eligible team, John. I mean. We got five wins. I think four of them count towards eligibility. We only need two more. Two more wins, and we play UMass, New Mexico State, and Rutgers. All games will be favored in. So we got to get two of those three and get bowl eligible. Never know what could happen on the road, BYU and UVA either, even though those are kind of unlikely and um, will be fun games to watch because, you know, with you on the sidelines, anything's possible, man. And you know, one thing I was when I was listening to you talk, I think I would love, love to have a rematch with Syracuse. I think our offense has figured out something here. I think Buckshot's way more comfortable in in the in the new offense and the new scheme. I would love to get that rematch. I mean, how, we got shut out and we lost what, what was it, 27, 24 nothing? 24. 24 nothing to Syracuse. Um, I would love to have that rematch. But um We've rattled off five in a row, headed up to New Jersey, and we're a seven-point favorite at Rutgers. This is a uh, good time to be a Liberty football fan. So we had an interview with Coach Freeze. We'd like for you guys to hear that now. We're really excited about it. Thank you uh, to Hugh and his staff for uh, getting this worked out, and uh, we'll hear that interview. And we got plenty, plenty of other things lined up on the podcast. We have the Liberty line coming up. Um, we also have John's List where we list out top school accomplishments for for team accomplishments in school history. So um, pretty cool stuff, John, as always. it's uh, Man, it's great to have football and, and uh, going on. We're right in the middle of it now. We've played seven games, got five more to go. So let's hear this interview with Coach Freeze. This portion of the Red Spin podcast is brought to you by R.T. Rogers Oil Company. R.T. Rogers is a regional petroleum distributor servicing southern West Virginia and providing residential product to improve the comforts of their customers, which includes home heating oil, propane, furnaces, air conditioners, and generators. R.T. Rogers is a longtime supporter of Liberty Flames Athletics, and we're glad to have them supporting SeaOfRed.com and the Red Spin podcast. For more information, you can go to their website, R.T. RTRogers.com. John Manson here for the Sea Red Red Spin podcast with head coach Hugh Freeze. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing really good. So, uh, how's your back going? I know the first month or two you've been on the you know job here since the yeah. season started. You've been dealing with the back injury, kind of a whirlwind. I guess you didn't expect that to be fighting with that all. Uh, training camp and first part of the season? Nah, if there's one thing I know that uh, life can bring you some surprises and uh, you know how you deal with it matters and I think we've made the most of it. The support that Liberty Administration has given me in trying to make a way for me to be as comfortable as possible and still coach our team somewhat I think is uh, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I don't feel like I, I would love to have to play those first two games over again. <laughs> But we don't we don't have a do over in football and um, but uh, you know it's I'm just thankful for all the prayers and the 
the people, the many people that have kind of uh, kicked in to make sure that uh, I had anything possible to, to try to still do my job. It's hard to believe, but you've been here in Lynchburg almost a year now, uh, yeah. about 10 months. Uh, what are some favorite things you like to do? I know I've heard you talking about going to Boonesboro Country Club. Yeah. You know, maybe your favorite restaurant or favorite thing to do around the Lynchburg area. Got a really a neat group of guys at Boonesboro Country Club that uh, are really have turned out to be really solid friends, and um, they support you know our, our football efforts now. And uh, I don't think they ever have before. But um, and I love playing golf in the off season, and it's one of the few things I can compete at anymore. Uh, physically anyway and I hope I can still do that in time but really got to, to be close to some guys out there and, and that that really makes the time in the offseason for me a lot more enjoyable um, restaurant wise man it's uh I don't go out to eat much I don't um, but in recruiting you know we've enjoyed neighbors and um, shoemakers and William and Henry I believe it is um, those all three were great spots. Uh, I like uh, there's uh, there's this little uh, gosh I can Benjamins. Yeah, I like Benjamins. In um, I haven't been there but twice, but so I've probably been out to eat a total of five times outside of recruiting in a year. So I just don't go out much. Yeah. So um, you know what, what what about your family? I know your your wife and your three girls. They're all here in Lynchburg, right? Are they? You know, in school or at Liberty, what, what, what's their? Sense? So I've got a uh, sophomore here at Liberty, and a freshman here at Liberty, and then I have a senior at LCA now. So uh, all three of the girls are here, and uh, Jill has done a marvelous job raising them. I've pitched in when when uh, when needed, but I have to give most of the credit to her, and we're very blessed that uh, all three seem to have their head on straight, and and um, you know I'm real proud of them, and and obviously. Um, I love having them here. I try not to say that a lot because I, I want them to live their own life. And, um, you know, two of them transferred out of SEC schools to come here. And sometimes I wonder if if, if they felt like it, they had to do it for me. And I'm always asking, are you sure? Because, you know, you can go you can go wherever you want. It's your life now. And uh, But they're happy here. So Jill really enjoys it here. She's got a neat group of friends that she plays some golf with and tennis and pickleball and Bible studies and uh, when you when you do this coaching deal you're always concerned when you make a move about your wife and kids we kind of get it we don't have a lot of friends to begin with really uh, during during certain parts of the year anyway um, in the off season I have my golfing buddies and that's about it and uh, but so you worry, you know, a lot about your wife and kids and uh, man, this has just been a remarkable move for us. It went so so much more smoother than I thought. I really, uh, you know, when I first told my youngest uh, what we were doing uh, and not going to a couple of other options we had in, in, as coordinator, um, she, she was not real happy. And man, she wouldn't trade it for anything now. She's got the best group of friends and so uh, we're really blessed with that. Obviously, when you're trying to build a program to the level you want it, recruiting is the lifeblood. I, I know you can't mention any prospects by name for this class, but how pleased have you been with the reception you've gotten out there in the market yeah. from some of the recruits? Uh, it's been better than I thought in year one. We've, uh, you know, to be sitting here today with, you know, I'm not sure how many commitments because, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in that, whether some are not going to qualify and we're looking to play some or 
or they may, you know, some others could flip on us too, you know, so I don't take anything for granted too much, but to be sitting here today with 25 or so verbal commitments, um, a good, what, two months or so before the sign-in day, I really don't know if that's ever been done before here. I don't know, but um, I think it proves to us two things. One, um, you can recruit to this place. Two, we probably can be a little more selective early on in, in, in the offers. Um, the first time you've ever dealt with a December signing period uh, this year. Well, well you yeah, had it last week. year. You were here week. for a week. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is the first time you've had a full recruiting That's class. Right. How much does that change things? Um, it has expediated recruiting. And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of, of – Visiting kids during the season and during the summer, sure, I'm not. But it's, uh, it's part of the deal now. Um, I don't like it. Um, but I, I don't mind an early signing period. I think uh, my, my suggestion has always been if a kid commits to you, you send him the papers right then, he has 48 hours to sign it, and it's over. And, he, and then that kid can take an official visit to that school whenever he wants. To me, that... That solves all of the who is who really has an offer and who's really committed on both ends, not just the kids' ends, but you know these all these offers that everybody we included extend. Um, the kid would know real quick if it's real, and we would know if a commitment is real. So I wish you would just go to that and cut out all the the signing day drama and the you know the last the 24 hours before signing day somebody comes in and takes one and. And now you're, you know, looking at, at something different. But uh, you know, the uh, that would be that would make me happy. But you know, it is what it is. So you have to adjust to it, and you gotta, you know, you gotta make the most of it. And I think our coaches have. Are there any specific positions of need you're trying to address, or just all across the board? And how do you feel you've been able to address those uh, needs so far? Yeah. O line's huge. You know, we got to sign six or seven O linemen, depending on kind of how everything shakes out. And we need two of them to be JUCO kids that are ready to play. And then we got to get a rush DN to replace Jesse, JUCO, in all likelihood. I think we've got some good young ones, but I'd like to get a JUCO one. I'd like to get uh, uh, two JUCO linebackers that can really run. I'm really happy with a lot of uh, things that, uh, that we have in this committed class so far. Um, but uh, those are kind of the only remaining needs that we have in spots we don't have a lot of spots left and uh so that's that's kind of what we're targeting uh i know you when you first got here talked about going to a bowl game you kind of shied away from yeah, that here I don't recently talk about bowl games man. you don't want to talk about that uh, well yeah here's what uh you know here's what i talk to our kids about i'm i'm a weird dude with with the way my mind works sometimes but uh, I, I divide seasons up into to me we have three separate seasons and we just completed season one. And if you'll ask my kids, they, they've, I've just harped on that, you know. I mean, all they heard last week was, this is the last game of our season. This is it. We ain't got another one. This is the last one. And, uh, and that was season one, and it's over. Can't, we can't do anything about it, good, bad, or indifferent. It's over. Uh, we were four and two at the end of season one. Now we got season two up, and there's four-game season. And there's three of them road games. And... Uh, We'll see where that takes us at the end of season two. And then season three is two games, uh, one at home, one on the road. And uh, 
with the possibility of, of, of a third game. But uh, we've got a long way to go before then. Coach Freeze, thanks so much for your time. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much. All right, so we have John Manson. We're going to do John's List. It is one of my favorite parts of the podcast where we just rank different things in Liberty Athletics, and this time we're taking a holistic approach, John. We are going to rank the top team athletic accomplishments in Liberty history. So we're going to do this a little bit differently. We are going to just rank the top four, and then we're going to throw in a a unique uh, perspective at the end. So we'll rank the top four. And I will start with number four. I have the JMU football victory at JMU in the playoffs. First ever FCS victory. It couldn't have been any sweeter than to be against the Dukes up in Harrisonburg. I mean, there was tons of talk about hosting the game and how do you host an FCS playoff game. And you bid on it. And it was how much money did they pay? I think that we ended up figuring out they paid over two hundred, three hundred thousand, somewhere in that neighborhood to host the game. Then Liberty turns out in good number up there. We might have outnumbered their fans. It was it was fifty fifty split. They didn't have hardly anybody there. Everything was perfect that night. I remember it was cold and uh, it was a great football night. Uh, Turner Gill and Josh Woodrum took the team up there and got what I would consider one of the biggest football wins. So while we rank that as a top athletic accomplishment, just you know what it did for our program in terms of national prominence and, and recognition. And you know, Ian talks a lot about putting a monetary value and exposure for the school and the program. And you know, there's no bigger program and no bigger marketing tool than the football team. So we got to put that win up there as just a top athletic event, and and we won in the playoffs, and it was something that uh something that had been eluding us for a long time. So number four, checking in at number four, and uh, personally for me, it's even higher because it was it was just a sweet day. I have several friends that went to JMU. I they're they're, they're probably my least liked team uh, that we play. They won't play us anymore. Just the whole scenario was awesome. So. I got the JMU playoff victory um, as number four. Yeah, number three. That number four is definitely a big accomplishment. Probably the biggest that the football team's done. Um, I guess you could, you know, put individual wins on top of that too, but nothing that beats a FCS playoff win. Number three, I've got uh, when the golf team uh, made it to the NCAA nationals and then made it to the final round um, and finished in the top ten nationally. So that's the highest any Liberty athletic team has finished um, in one season, one postseason, is to get a top 10 finish. And the golf team did that. Um, you know, that's pretty impressive, you know, and if they were able to make the top eight, which they were just a few strokes out of doing that, they would have gone into the final day of the, the golf tournament. And just this past year, the golf team got pretty close to making the cut to uh, to the finals. So uh, the golf program has definitely been a good program and up on the rise, um, kind of making strides nationally. But, you know, for them to make a top 10 national finish. And if you look at, you know, who's winning the golf championships year in, year out, it's, it's your Alabama's you know, Florida, you know, all your big SEC, Big 10, Big 12 schools year in, year out are right there. So 
you know, for Liberty to, to be able to make an impact at, at that type of level, that's something that no other Liberty athletic team has been able to accomplish. We've had individual champions, which we're not talking about individual accomplishments, but we've had individual national champions, several of those in the track and field and cross country world. But, you know, the golf team to be able to finish in top 10 nationally, um, you know, has to be ranked up high on a list like this. And, and, you know, we got it at number three. I think it's awesome whenever our teams, we can put together a team. And if you follow golf, I think it's like five or six guys that have to play well. So it's not like it's just an individual performance. And speaking of individual performances, you know, you got to mention some of the track guys like Josh McDougal and Sam Chalanga and, and several of the others. I forget the girl that won the national championship from like uh, some track event. Heather Sagan. Yeah, so we've had some great individual performances. And number two actually falls in that category for me. Number two is the Liberty Sweet 16 appearance. We're talking, we had a team in women's basketball that made it to the final 16 in the in the nation's you know largest collegiate bas- women's basketball tournament. That's unbelievable. And, and basketball is such a team game. But that being said, that team was great. But Katie Feenstra was so unbelievable in her career here at Liberty that, I, that that's what I'm talking about, individual performance. She led the country in field goal percentage in 2004 and 2005. She's Liberty's all-time leading field goals. She's Liberty's all-time leading field goal percentage, all-time leading block. The list goes on and on. Katie Feenstra was dominant. She finished second. I didn't know this, John. She finished second in the voting for Rookie of the Year in the WNBA. And uh, she was a unanimous WNBA all-rookie team. I mean, she was she was a stud in the pros, too. So I just uh, – I think that Katie really carried that team. And, and, you know, they had some good players. But let's face it, making that Sweet 16 run would not have happened without uh, Katie Freenster, who now goes by Matera. But, um, you know, what a great team accomplishment for that 2005 women's basketball team. Yeah, not only that, she's she's now assistant coach on the women's basketball team. Coach Green brought her in this year, and and so she'll be back in there in the Vine Center this year, helping the women hopefully get back into the Liberty tournament. Number one, you know, very recent. I don't think it come as a shock to many people, but you know, football and men's basketball are obviously are the top two sports nationally uh, among any collegiate athletic program. Um, so to be able to make a statement and do something nationally at either one of those uh, sports definitely gets more, you know, more weight to itself than than some of the other sports. Not to take anything away from the other sports, it's just the competition is so much greater and the stakes are so much larger in, in these other sports. So, so when Liberty, you know, got a 12 seed this past year in the men's basketball tournament after winning the eighth Sun. Uh, regular season and conference tournament championship that, um, you know, then beat Mississippi State behind Caleb Holmesley, scored 30 points. You want to talk about individual performances. What about the performance Holmesley had in that game? Uh, you know, Caleb uh, was helped by others in the game as well. Lavelle Cabell had a really good game. But, you know, to beat Mississippi State, you know, 12 over 5 upset, 80 to 76. And then, you know, the, the team almost – you know, really should have if you if you want to. I hate to go back and and talk about it like that, but should have made the Sweet Sixteen. They they were leading Virginia Tech at halftime. Uh, you know, really looked like they had them on the ropes, but they just kind of ran out of gas there at the end. 
But, um, you know, that's definitely a huge accomplishment. And in our opinions, the biggest accomplishment any Liberty team has made to this point was, you know, when Liberty beat Mississippi State, first NCAA tournament win in program history. And, and hopefully, you know, we got men's basketball starting here in a few weeks. Hopefully, um, you know, it, it won't be long before we get another one. You know, definitely hope to make another NCAA tournament appearance uh, here in the next year. Yeah, and, and part of the reason we rank it so high, John, is just the impact it had nationally for our brand, for our school, for our athletic department. I mean, Ian said at the beginning of the year that it had, what What did he say, a seven-figure impact, a six-figure impact, something crazy. I think he said seven. So it was he like over seven. yeah, it was over a million dollars worth of just like ad revenue. So like, you know, Instagram, Twitter, and mentions in the news, and write-ups in uh, newspapers, and clicks on the website. He said all of that added up to about uh, over a million dollars worth of just free advertisement for the school. So that's why we think it had such a big impact. Plus, again, that team, um, that team, you know, accomplished something no other team in school history has accomplished. Like we said, the women's made the Sweet 16, but the men's making the round of 32 uh, just had a much bigger impact on the school. So, um, yeah, that's our top four list. So I want to throw in a twist here. We are sitting at five wins. We are going to be favorites in several of our games going forward. We are looking like we're going to be bowl eligible this year for football. I mean, we have like a 90-some percent chance to be bowl eligible, which is absolutely crazy to think about. So if Liberty wins a bowl game, let's call it the Cure Bowl in Orlando. If Liberty wins a bowl, any bowl game, actually, where would that rank in, in athletic accomplishments in terms of impact, in terms of just great team success, and uh, where would it fit on this type of list? Um, I think it automatically is either number one or number two. I mean, it obviously goes ahead of, beating JMU in the FCS playoffs, winning a bowl game is definitely more important than winning a single FCS game. Uh, I would say it, it vaults ahead of golf, you know, no offense to them. and But, you know, it, golf does not quite <laughs> equate, you know, if we're talking about dollar impact to the school, it, it will have doesn't come close. You can't even compare the two. Um, same thing with women's basketball making Sweet 16. And again, a great accomplishment and great feat. But uh, to, to make a bowl game and to win a bowl game in the program's first ever uh, season as being a fully F, full FBS member and full fully uh, bowl eligible, um, getting to the six wins or really seven with the two FCS wins, uh, it would automatically vault to either number one or number two. Then, then the question becomes, was it better than the men's basketball win over Mississippi State and that could be debated and we can debate it now if we want to but uh, and that may come down to which bowl game it is I mean if we're in the Cure Bowl against a sixth place Sunbelt team like a Georgia Southern Georgia State and beat them you know that might not rank as high as if we're in the Birmingham Bowl or in or you know we just saw the Belk Bowl this week USA Today projected Liberty to be in the Belk Bowl against Virginia Tech and Charlotte. I mean, if Liberty's in the Belk Bowl in Charlotte on New Year's Eve on ESPN and beats Virginia Tech, that probably that, that, that has to go to number one, right? So I guess it yeah. depends on, on what game, what bowl game they're in and who they're playing. Yeah, and, and honestly, for me, it doesn't really matter. I think, I mean, where, where it ranks above the men's basketball team is the bowl game. They actually get paid out. I mean, do you know right offhand what is the Cure Bowl payout for our school? Like, wh- is isn't it over a million dollars just for showing up to the Cure Bowl? 
not for the Cure Bowl. Cure Bowl doesn't really have much of a payout. Okay. Um, yeah, but some of the other bowls that we, we've talked about recently, the Birmingham Bowl, the Belk Bowl, those have seven-figure payouts just to be in the game. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't count like advertising impact and 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 you know just a ton more people are going to watch that game on ESPN um, you know than than even the March Madness tournament so we're we're looking at a huge impact to the program so I don't think it matters which bowl I think the magnitude could could definitely change depending on the bowl but um, yeah I think right away if we win a bowl game this year it will be the school's biggest athletic accomplishment which. Coming off of just, you know, it's crazy to say just 12 months ago, we're sitting here looking at a six-win team with Turner Gill just not having any idea what any of this was getting ready to happen. So uh, it's pretty unbelievable. Well, Chad, Chad, what about this? What what about just making a bowl game? We're, we're at in the in the list. Does that does that run? Yeah, that, that for me would probably be number two. I mean, to make a bowl game and get up there, that's a huge accomplishment. Uh at the FBS level. So I would say that was probably, that'd be probably definitely be number two. Um, it'd be ahead of the women's sweet 16, probably behind the men's, the men's basketball tournament run. So I would, I would put that right up there. So making it is number two, winning it vaults at number, number one. Yeah. That's probably what I would say. Yeah. I, I kind of go along with that. Football is King. And, you know, trust me off the air here, John and I are both basketball fans. We both basketball is our favorite sport. We talk about it a ton. But when we have to, you know, analyze this thing for the impact of the school, there's just no comparison when it comes time to football. So it would easily jump it over number one if and, and even just making it would put it number two. So, John, I love this list. I'm uh, just I just can't even believe we're at this point where we're talking about potential bowl games and stuff. It's just insane to me. So um, anyways, I appreciate your time. And uh, as always, go Flames. This portion of the Red Spin podcast is brought to you by Allen's Lawn Service. Allen's Lawn Service services over 150 residential and commercial customers in the Roanoke and Bedford areas. Contact Allen at 540-314-0246. If you're interested in advertising with the Red Spin podcast, please email John Manson at jmanson.asor at gmail.com. All right, it's uh, that time of the week again, that time of the episode. We get in our good friend, the wise guy, Jared Brooks, at Give Me the Mic on Twitter. He's going to give us his take on the Liberty game this coming weekend for entertainment purposes only, or if you're trying to make a buck. I think uh, you could, Jared's proven himself this season so far to kind of have the inside track here. Jared, um, what lines are you seeing? Give us a little bit of flavor for this uh, Power five Rutgers team, and uh, what can we expect for for the game this weekend? Well, let's just start by this Liberty big time road favorite against a power five team. <laughs> <laughs> we knew the day would come at some point. I just don't know if I was necessarily ready for that day to come so early in the FBS journey, but it is here, and one we're certainly all excited for. Big Ten Network. So it gives some national exposure, but uh, I did want to start by this. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you are going to the game and you're excited from the idea of, oh, right, New Jersey, legally, I can do this on my phone. 
or I can go to one of the uh, one of the sports books. This game is not going to be on the wagering menu because in New Jersey it is illegal to for schools to be able to have a bet placed in a sports book. That was one of the main sticking points that uh, when they were passing this law that New Jersey's uh, senators uh, there was some fight on that. So instead of delaying getting this done, they just said, all right, fine. If you don't want to bet on Rutgers or or uh, Seton Hall, some of the other smaller schools, that's fine. Well, we won't offer it. So uh, you can't bet on it while you're actually at the game, which would have been ideal, but you have to kind of take, take what you can get. So if you're going through Pennsylvania, just hop on one of the uh, sports books there, but wanted to get that out of the way, but, yeah, exciting. How about that? Line started at four this week. Liberty favored, and all of a sudden, it shot up to seven and a half. Uh, Rutgers is one of those teams where they just can't score. Uh, you go take a look at what they've been doing this season. They had their opener where they beat UMass and throttled them. But since then, it's been six straight games in a row. They haven't even been – the final score hasn't been within 13 points, so they're not even coming close. Uh, so this is one of those games where – I certainly like Liberty to win the game, but I'm not necessarily thrilled with the line shooting up to seven and a half and Liberty being that big of a favorite. So I'm a little concerned about that because uh, let's let's be real. When was the last time Liberty went on the road against an FBS team and won by more than a field goal or four or five points? Seven and a half is a position that Liberty's just not being in. So I'm not completely comfortable giving seven and a half on the road. Uh, I would advise buying a point. If it goes back to seven, then I would advise buying a half a point. Uh, just something doesn't feel right about the seven and a half. I think it's a little bit too hot. Certainly think Liberty wins the game. Yeah. So uh, over under, what do you got? You know, I, I, I'm stunned at actually where this is gone. It started out at 45 and a half. It's currently sitting at 47. I think it may actually hop up to, 48. A lot of people that do this recreationally that, you know, maybe don't do it for a living, but just like to, you know, throw some money here and down. A lot of people don't like to bet on the unders. They like to bet on overs. And if you look at what's happening, let's, let's look at Rutgers. Rutgers this season, as I mentioned, they scored 48 points in their first game. Since then, their last six games, they've only scored, or say last five games. Last five games, Rutgers has only scored 30 points. Six points a game. Some of those games, they were shut. Two of those games, they were shut out. So it's not like they're, they're doing anything. They fired their head coach a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the things that if you, like, if you look at Liberty, you know, it's a little deceiving. Take the main game out. Take the Hampton game out. Liberty in their five games against FBS opponents this season, they're only scoring 17 points a game. Remember, they got were scoreless against Syracuse, and it's not like they lit it up against New Mexico State, New Mexico. They did have a good game against Buffalo, but they're not scoring a lot. And then take a look at what they're actually giving up in those five games. Liberty's defense is given up just under 20 points a game. So from what they've averaged to what they're giving up, you know, you're looking at about 36 and a half, 37 points. Well, the line sitting at 47 and it's gone up a point and a half tells me this may creep up to 48 and with a potential for some rain. Uh, I'm okay with this game 
going up to 48. So I would say if you like the under in this game, you may want to be patient and wait till you get a better line on Saturday morning instead of hopping on this now. Unlike where, where Liberty started at four this week, it's gone up to seven and a half in a couple of days. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm certainly looking at. Rutgers' unders hit nine out of the last 13 times. And for Liberty this season, all five of their SB, FBS games have gone under. So I love the under here. I think it's the, I think it's the sure play. Um, one of the other things I would tell you to take a look at, and we'll see if uh, this bodes well for Liberty on offense, uh, Rutgers can't stop the run. Uh, they've given up over 200 r- yards on the ground per game this season. So I think this is a good game for Liberty to kind of take a look at uh, the balance sheet, would you say, of trying to maybe establish the run a little bit. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we obviously don't need to tell Coach Freeze uh, what to do, but I'm sure he's kind of, you know, he's been saying the right things this week about, you know, hey, it's going to be tough about, you know, you're going against, you know, bigger offensive lines, bigger defensive line, and, you know, the biggest lineman that they've played all season. And that's absolutely right. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if they try to establish the run a little bit just because Rutgers has certainly been vulnerable against the run. Now, granted, that's been against, you know, a Michigan and a couple of other you know, 25 teams, but I don't think Liberty's going to look at the film and say, you know what, we can't, we can't run the ball against these guys. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see a little bit of a ground game. Uh, I think Liberty's going to win. Uh, I don't know if they're going to put up 35 or 40 points uh, like they did against Maine, against Hampton. So I think you kind of have to look at, take those two games as a microcosm, take those out, and then kind of take a look at, hey, what have they done in the body record in those five FBS games? And the numbers aren't statistically amazing, So, which is another reason why I kind of like the, I don't know if seven and a half is a number I'm really comfortable with, uh, with Liberty giving that much on the road in, in a place they're just not familiar with. Well, let me add to what you just said about the under is, Freeze said that last week was the first time they've ever gone there really mm-hmm. up-tempo, warp speed, whatever he calls it. He's also said that he has changed his philosophy in coaching. He's going to play more um, complimentary football, especially against teams where the lines, he seems to be outnumbered with these D linemen, and uh, he, he just doesn't like his depth. So he needs to uh, kind of slow the game down a little bit. So I think we will see a little bit slower pace running the football. We won't see that warp speed this weekend. One other thing I want to get your thoughts on is the win season over total. We told people at the beginning of the year to hammer that. That was the first <laughs> first thing you came out of the gate with in 2019 was, hey, guys, five and a half. And you were all over Twitter telling everybody, so was I. I was looking at Odd Shark saying, guys, five and a half is so low. Here we are with five games. We have five wins already. And we'll be favored in three additional games. We got UMass, we got New Mexico State, and we got Rutgers this weekend. We win one of those games, we're hitting the over five and a half win total. Can you just talk about how easy money that was? I mean, and how, how did Vegas not get this right? Well, I think there were some unknowns. You know, you take a look at, you know, Virginia. You take a look at BYU. Uh, it's, it's some of those games. You knew Syracuse was going to be good. And I, I think with there being a little bit more film out uh, with, with Liberty, uh, I think that, you know, five and a half was a safe number. If you take a look at you thought Rutgers might be a little bit better. Um, so I think the way that it's played out, I think it's worked perfectly. But I thought there was at least six wins. Seven, to me, seven was going to be a really good year because you had the two FCS opponents. I thought if you could get five FBS wins, and I thought you could get those, I thought you could sweep New Mexico State. 
certainly New Mexico, were, were viable games. You, know, you thought maybe you beat Louisiana, you sneak Buffalo, maybe one of those two. You kind of split some of those opportunities. But, yeah, it's worked out great. Um, I don't know if I thought is comfortable uh, after the Louisiana game where it was like, well, wait a minute, uh, where is the offense? And, but they finally were able to get Gandy Golden going, and that, I think that certainly helped. And Buckshot, you know, we were, you know, pretty happy. Yeah. You know, hey, the leash may not be that long for him because he just didn't look comfortable. But to his credit, and as Hugh mentioned, uh, he has adjusted. And I think that is the biggest thing you have to do. And he would, I think he'd go back and say this, uh, certainly probably has in some ways, maybe not exactly this way, but you have to in year one. I've been around enough coaches. I've, I've worked in this industry long enough uh, with guys that have taken over programs numerous times. You can try to do what you do best, but if what you inherit is not to your strength, you've got to find a way quickly. And the key word is how quickly can you do it to get those guys comfortable? Like you're not going to just go find a quarterback right out of the gates. He didn't have, you know, he had a true freshman coming in. That was hard to throw in and say, all right, you're our guy now all of a sudden and expect that playbook to be run at full speed the way that he wants it done. So to his credit and his staff's credit, they have not been bullish on sticking with, no, this is how we do things, learn it or else. And I think that is what is going to now proceed to give them an opportunity to get bowl eligible and uh, have an opportunity to play in a pretty nice game. You know, from everything that we're seeing, the bowl predictions, I don't think they'll get in the belt bowl, but, you know, you could certainly be talking about, you know, a, a seven, eight, one season, which a lot of people thought, yeah, maybe, but it's realistic now. And, uh, you know, if they, get, if they grab eight wins this season, which I still think they could do, um, you got to tip your cap to, to the team and the staff uh, on what they've been able to do. And, you know, certainly the uh, future is bright here. And so it's just exciting to be talking about, you know, bowl predictions. And, you know, we're not sitting here at three and four saying, well, they're going to have to win five out of their last six to, you know, have a chance, you know. We're having these conversations, and uh, we still got a, two games to play in October. Yeah, so just let me uh, let me recap. There, it's the under, and it is laying off the Liberty uh, minus seven and a half, and uh, maybe buying a point there. So, as always, guys, this is recreational, and if you do win, make sure you're tithing ten percent. Jared, we really appreciate your time. Go Flames. <laughs> <laughs>